from the heart of Silicon Valley in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area. I am Sudipto Chatterjee and this is Economically Speaking with Atal Uday. On Economically Speaking, we talk about economic topics and how they affect our world. Welcome back Atunu. It has been a very interesting week since we left on the note of price floors and price ceilings and how if human beings or people just decide to tinker with them and put those things in, bad things can happen. And um, and I quote from you from last time, the efficiency of the market actually kind of goes down. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yeah. So... Um, to bring the listeners who have not yet caught up on the last episode up to speed, we were discussing the concept of how the market itself determines a price or a fair price or an equilibrium price of, of any item. And if you put in an artificial boundary on either side of that price, for yeah. example, mm-hmm. um, rent control, where a, a rent for a certain neighborhood or a certain block or a certain apartment complex, let's say for a one bedroom, will not go above this. That's the rent control. That, and that is an artificial price ceiling. That's the maximum price that a particular unit can be sold at. Whereas when we talk of price floor, that's something like minimum wage. So any person who works at my place or work, is employed by anybody else, the minimum dollars per hour that person should be earning is whatever, $7.50 right now federally. So... Tell me more. Why Why do you think that, or why does it distort a market? Prices are, uh, are actually things that uh, say at what, uh, the point at which things are sold or things are bought. So that's prices to begin with. Now these prices in what we call a free market, a market without distortions, which nobody is controlling. That's a free market. In a free market, prices emerge in the interaction between buyers and sellers. Nobody is dictating any prices. They just emerge. If there's a lot of people who are willing to sell and the quantity being sold is something and there's a number of people who are willing to buy and the quantity they are being willing to buy, that interaction between the quantity that is available for sale and the quantity that is being bought, that determines the price at that particular market. Now, if you try to put a price that is not determined by the market, but it is dictated by somebody else, mm-hmm. what happens is that it can lead to either a surplus in the market or that is surplus meaning unsold goods in the market or there would be a shortage. That is, the number of people who want to buy is more than what is available for sale. So those are the two things that happen when you try to impose a price which is not arrived at by the market, but it is dictated by somebody else. So for example, let's take the the minimum wage thing. Mm-hmm. The minimum wage is a wage at which you cannot employ anybody below which you can't employ. Now the problem is if people who are willing to accept a wage lower than a minimum wage and there are people who are willing to offer that lower than a minimum wage, that 
transaction will not happen if there's a minimum wage law. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is willing to work for $8 an hour and someone else is willing to employ people at $8 an hour, will not they will not be able to uh, do this transaction if the minimum wage is $10 an hour. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is it leads to losses because the person who was willing to work at $8 an hour and the person who was willing to employ the person at $8 an hour, they both would have gained something out of this transaction. Otherwise, they would not have agreed to do the transaction at $8 an hour. That is the problem with trying to set prices in the market. So, you mentioned a free market, right? And then you are talking about, okay, I, I, I do see your point in an absolute in an absolute environment where we don't have an influx of people who are going to earn marginally better than, or a lifestyle marginally better than what... No, no, no. Let's not get confused here. We are not talking about lifestyles and uh, what people are doing and not doing. What we are saying very precisely is this. There is a transaction between two people. There's... One person says, I'm willing to pay you $8 an hour for a particular job. Hmm. That's it. The other person says, I'm willing to do the job for you at $8 an hour. That's it. Mm -hmm. And if both agree that I'm willing to work for you at $8 an hour, you're willing to give me $8 an hour, end of story. What it tells you immediately is that I have no other no, nothing better to do. It's not like I'm getting a $50 an hour somewhere else and that's why I say I'm okay with your $8 an hour. And similarly, you, you say that this work that I want to get done, I will not be able to pay $9 an hour. For this, I'll pay you $8. So both of us are voluntarily getting into this exchange of $8 an hour. If somebody else puts a ceiling of $10 an hour, then you will not be able to employ me. And I will not have a job for $8 an hour, which was I was willing to do. So the problem is that by putting an artificial limit, a floor, that you have to pay at least $10, you're putting me out of work. So let me explain it this way, or my point this way. The way a price equilibrium or the way a market arrives at a price equilibrium for any particular commodity, yeah, right, and we talked about it last time is I'm willing to provide something for a hundred dollars, and then you come in the market and you say I could provide the exact same thing for ninety five dollars, yeah. and then eventually the consumer flow shifts to you, yeah, right, and then that's how eventually if i if somebody else comes in and says, I can do it for ninety three but that person runs at a loss and then eventually everybody converges on the $95 per or $95 right. price. That's how we arrive at the equilibrium. Now, people are not always rational or they cannot do the arithmetic all the time. It doesn't matter. Don't get into all these complications. The main thing is every transaction involves two people. One is a buyer, one is a seller. Okay. If they voluntarily agree on the transaction that yes, I'm buying this for you at this price and the other guy says, I'm willing to sell it to you at this price. End of story. We don't have to get into complications about 
you know, what is the real worth? Are people rational, not rational? It doesn't matter. What matters is, listen, I am willing to buy at this price. Somebody is willing to sell at this price. That's it. Now, the mo that's called a free market. Okay. Then everybody says, I'm willing to do this freely. Mm -hmm. Now, the moment you uh, put uh, barriers like, okay, I, I will not allow you to sell it below this price or I won't allow you to buy it at this price or will, you won't be allowed to sell higher than that price. That is called not a free market. Okay. And that's the problem. Every time, every time you intervene in the marketplace to make, uh, you know, dictate terms, that's, a pro that's not a free market. And when there's an absence of free market, it leads to losses on both sides. Just that's the, that's the basic principle that you have to understand. If somebody, you and I are willing to trade on certain terms that we have come to after some negotiations, we are willing to do that. But a third person comes in here and says, sorry, you are not allowed to do it. That's it. That's not a free market. It doesn't matter who the third person is. It could be the government. It could be the neighborhood thug. It could be a saint in the neighborhood who says, no, 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 you can't do this. The moment you interfere in the free exchange of goods and services between two parties, it's always between two parties. You must understand this thing. I understand that okay. part. Now, people are not always free. Think of slave labor. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's not voluntary. You know, you have to understand. Okay. I'm saying that if two people voluntarily decide to exchange goods and services, there's nothing you can do. If anything, if you intervene in it, it's going to be worse than before. Because I can prove it to you, somebody is losing. Both parties are losing or somebody is losing. You can't bring in slave labor. Slave labor, a slave does not enter voluntarily into it. Yes. Yes. That's it. Remember, the basic principle is if two people are voluntarily, freely in, in, intend to exchange goods or services on certain terms mm -hmm. that they have arrived through some bargaining process, that is a free market. A slave market is not a free market. The slave cannot say, I'm not here. I'm out of here. I'm, I can't be sold. We have right. to just think about... Okay. These are the important things. Voluntary exchange on okay. terms that they both agree to. That's what a free market is. Everything else is BS. Okay. Okay. So, the free market is exists in certain parts of the world. Yeah. Some parts of the world, people are free to exchange stuff, buy and sell and stuff. And in certain parts of the world... They are not free. They uh, Some third party comes in and says, you are not allowed to do this. You have to get my permission before you are allowed to do this. That's called a non-free market. And, and free markets have this amazing quality that any exchange that happens in a free market benefits both sides of the market. Every buyer and every seller benefits from that exchange of trade. Yeah, because as by definition, they would not enter into the trade freely if they didn't benefit them in some sense. That's okay. it. Every you can't. The, the main thing is this, Sudipta. You have to understand that we are talking about basic 
principles. We are talking about principles and we are talking about concepts. We are not talking about particulars. We are not talking about concrete things. Yeah, so concrete are, things, there can be a lot of concrete things. But once you understand the concept, then you can apply the concept in various different places. Like okay. I know that 2 plus 2 is equal to 4. It is not that I'm going to make a claim that two bananas plus two bananas is equal to four bananas. And then again, make another claim that two apples plus two apples is four apples. It'll take a long time to actually come into the particulars of the thing. Okay. But once you understand the principle mm -hmm. that two plus two is equal to four, mm -hmm. you can apply it to apples or bananas or cars or whatever, and it'll hold. So you have to understand the principle. The principle is in any exchange which involves two people who voluntarily do the, get into the exchange, both will benefit. End of story. Okay. So to come back to this particular example of rent control then, um, or actually minimum wage. Okay, minimum one. wage. Yeah. So the, the fact that the transaction of $8 per hour was lost because somebody artificially set minimum wage of $10 per hour. Quite right. Means that the person who was offering work did not get the value he was expecting. Yeah, you can say it that way, but what I'm saying is if somebody is willing to work at eight dollars an hour and somebody says that you know, if someone does this work at two uh, for me at eight dollars an hour, then I will be better off. So presumably, the person let's assume that the person is unable to pay $10 an hour because the work is only worth $9 an right, hour. Right, 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 right. So what happens is because it's only worth $9 an hour, by employing somebody at $10 an hour, he'll be losing a dollar. So he says, sorry, I won't be able to employ you. So at the absence of the minimum wage of $10, both would have gained because this mm -hmm. fellow is only willing to work at $8 an hour because it's not like he has some other option. If yeah. he had an option of $15 an hour, he would not even bother uh, right. working for you at $8 an hour. Right, right. That's right. the problem. By putting this artificial ceiling. You mean floor? Uh, floor. By yeah. putting this artificial floor of $10 an hour, hmm. a transaction, a trade, an exchange that would have happened this doesn't happen. And both people lose. Yes. The guy who was going to employ him and at eight dollars an hour and get nine dollars worth of work yeah. he doesn't get it and this guy who yeah. doesn't have any other option but to work at eight dollars he is jobless yes yes that's the problem okay yeah and similarly rent control yes i was about to ask that yeah. Go on. let's talk about rent control mm -hmm. if a person is willing to pay a certain amount uh, for an a living space the rent that he's willing to pay there's a price at which the rent is the amount that uh, the person who's willing to pay and the, the amount that the person is willing to rent at mm -hmm. is some particular amount. Let's say $100. Okay. But the rent control says you cannot rent it at 100 You have to rent it at 80 mm -hmm. So at 80 there are a lot of people who are willing to rent it at 80 mm -hmm. Whereas the person who is... Uh, there are the number of people who are willing to rent at 80 is much less than that. The reason being that the rent at which it will be rented in a free market 
is higher than the rent control because otherwise you would not put a rent control over it. What if my operating costs were, I don't know, $70? So then if I don't rent it out, I would sit and lose $70. Yeah, yeah. So in that case, you would presumably rent it at some point, at some price, which is higher than $70. Mm. Your cost is $70. Yeah. You'll be willing to rent it at something higher than uh, than $70. The problem is when the price is set at a point which is lower than what you're willing to, what it costs you to rent it out. Okay. Okay. So for example... Suppose I was to build a set of units and after doing all my financial calculations, I find that, you know what, I'll be able to rent it out at a thousand dollars a unit. Mm -hmm. So that's before I build it, I figure out that, you know, I'll be able to rent it at thousand dollars a unit. And then I find that at that location, the rent control says $800 is the maximum that I can buy, mm -hmm. uh, rent it out at. Mm -hmm. Do you think I will go and build those units? I wouldn't. Okay. Yeah, you wouldn't build those units. So what happens is when you put a rent control above the price at which a person will be able to meet his costs, that is meet his costs, not mm -hmm. even make mm -hmm. a yeah, profit. Yeah, 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 just meet his costs. Because yeah. just meet his costs. Yeah. You're just telling a person don't build here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when a person, the people don't build stuff, supply of housing is low, what does it lead to? Shortage of housing. Ah. Oh. That's interesting. That's a very interesting perspective. We are unfortunately running out of time, but let's let's follow up more on this next time we talk. All right. All right. So we'll continue with this and other points the next time. Yes. Thank you so much for your time, Atanu. Thanks for so Bye. Alright, that's it for this week. The music you were listening to in the background was composed by the Italian composer Niccolo Paganini and performed by Jonathan Verrett. The cover photo for this episode is from publicdomainimages.net where it was uploaded by the user Charles Rondon. The sound mixing and editing is all done by me, Sudipto Chatterjee, using the open source and awesome software Audacity. Leave us a comment on Facebook at facebook.com slash economically speaking or you can join the discussion at Twitter by following us. Our Twitter handle is at econspeaking. Each week we chat with Atanu Day on matters generally related to economics. This is Economically Speaking with your host Sudipto Chatterjee. Until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>